From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now, your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the federal government shape the real world. A two-week United Nations conference on climate change is coming to a close. And while the agreements that emerge carry moral and political weight, they won't be legally binding. That's just fine with Republicans in Congress who oppose participating in international pacts to limit carbon emissions. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by CQ Energy and Environment reporter Jeremy Dillon. So to start, these talks in Paris that wrap up on December 11th were designed to get commitments from nations to prevent the Earth from crossing a warming threshold. How did things go? So far, it's gone pretty positively, um, actually more positively than, than people had kind of expected coming in. Originally, there's three issues that really needed to be settled before uh, a final agreement could come into fruition. Uh, the first one is the target of what the world was going to shoot for uh, in terms of the uh, final degree temperature that would raise. Uh, initially had been two degrees Celsius that they had been trying to reach for, and that's kind of the, the threshold that sci- the scientific community has agreed that uh, catastrophic uh, climate changes would happen and life on Earth would start to become quite dangerous for, for humans. Actually, the United States has uh, joined a coalition of uh, other nations in looking for a more ambitious target of 1.5 degrees Celsius, which has kind of been a change from the tune that Secretary uh, John Kerry had said uh, leading up to the conference. The other area is the legally binding status of the agreement. Uh, So far, nothing will be enforceable. The only part of the agreement that will be enforceable is that nations have to set targets. The final thing that needs to to be decided with the agreement is uh, how much money developed nations will be sending to developing nations. Um, that mechanism will most likely go through the Green Climate Fund, and the Obama administration has already pledged $3 billion to that fund, uh, although that money still remains up in the air. The talks and the president's appearance at the conference uh, came as congressional Republicans were trying to undermine his agenda on greenhouse gas emissions from power plants and on lifting the oil export ban. Did any of the congressional action have any significant effect on the attendees there? Congressional Republicans have been positioning themselves for the past month to kind of send a signal to the uh, all the negotiators over in Paris about their displeasure with all the uh, talks going on over there about any commitments being made. And they, they've come in a, in a variety of uh, formats. Um, both the Senate and the House passed two uh, Congressional Review Act resolutions uh, that would nullify, if signed by the president, which he won't sign, of course, would nullify two environmental protection agencies uh, rules for uh, new and existing power plants for carbon reduction uh, targets. They signed that uh, after the Thanksgiving holiday. They sent it to the, the president's desk. That's a central pillar of the Obama administration's uh, agreement over there. It's basically the the target emissions that they took over to Paris about how they would uh, reduce and their plan to uh, signal to the other nations of the world that the United States is actually serious about what they're doing. There's also been a lot of rhetoric coming from uh, the U.S. Congress about not wanting to commit to anything, and even if they do commit, that the Senate would have to approve it. Yeah, I mean, the U.S. negotiators must know there's practically zero chance the Senate would ratify any climate change agreement. So uh, does it work in the administration's interest to avoid a legally binding deal? 
Yes and no. Uh, on the domestic front, it works not to have a legal deal set in at this point. And that way they can kind of finalize it without involving uh, Republicans in the process that could destroy it and, and still move towards their fossil fuel energy policy. But on an international front, it actually hurts um, their negotiating strategy, uh, not being able to enter into more of a binding agreement. It leaves room for the agreement to almost fall apart in some ways. At this point, uh, it's dependent on the nations kind of coming back in a couple of years with their targets in hand. There's nothing enforceable about this agreement. If a nation doesn't meet the targets they set, uh, there won't be any international sanctions or anything like that. Not having that ability to lock in a, a binding agreement has kind of put a little uncertainty into the future of these targets actually working. And a recent Congressional Research Service report explained these trade-offs for the United States. Uh, without a treaty, any future presidential administration could back away from emission reduction targets, but the report says that could come at the loss of, quote, political weight on the world stage, right? That is correct, and it's a kind of basic foreign uh, relations, right, where you enter into this agreement where you say you'll do these things, and then when you don't do them, it's going to hurt your political standing. And so if the United States commits to sending this money to some of these developing nations and they don't send it, how do these nations kind of trust the U.S. going forward with their carbon reduction strategies, and how does uh, nations like India or China commit to doing the same thing if the United States, a global leader, can't can't do the same things either. Uh, the U.S. always has the ability to back out of agreements, but uh, it, to to kind of keep our international uh, superpower status to be the world leader, especially uh, the Obama administration has really tried to position itself as a leader on climate uh, to back away from those in the next presidential administration would really hurt the, the U.S. standing in the climate department. Yeah, Congress appears intent of depriving Obama on another issue to burnish his legacy. For example, as you said, by opposing U.S. contributions to a Green Climate Fund. Can you explain what that fund is and why it's important? So the Green Climate Fund is one of the central tenements of this agreement. It's what's actually being negotiated right now. It was established by the United Nations as kind of a a market broker to kind of help developing nations receive proper funding for mitigation and adaption strategies to climate change. President Obama has pledged $3 billion so far, and the ultimate goal, which is part of the negotiations right now in Paris, is to get to 2020, eventually have $100 billion coming in from the international community a year to finance some of these mitigation efforts across the, the, the countries. Obviously, the United States, the only way they can send it over is through the appropriations process, which is where Republicans have really clinged on to their uh, displeasure with this agreement. It remains to be seen whether it would be included in, in the budget. Uh, the administration requested $500 million. Uh, that was not met in the House, and the Senate did not include the money, although it did not stop the administration from uh, including it, uh, taking money from other places to uh, send the money overseas to help with that. CQ Energy and Environment reporter Jeremy Dillon on the complicated political considerations surrounding an agreement on climate change. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud.